So we are facing a great enemy of our souls every day. And he knows that we have all power and all authority in Christ, yes? The temptation for the toothless lion, though, that he gives us is that he is in control and he is all-powerful. And we are tempted to be drawn away and to believe his lies and to give place to despondency, uh, maybe discouragement, despair. I know none of you have done this, but has anyone you know dealt with despondency or despair in here? Okay, so... This is a universal problem we all deal with on a regular basis. Drew and I were talking about it this week, and he's got a word on his heart to share about this. Part of this breaking that happens and part of the deliverance that has to happen is to break through into the authority that we have in Jesus' name, to break through into the light and out of darkness. And, and Drew's going to speak into that for just a minute. We'll see if I follow up after that. Okay. Um, so this week... I was, uh, I was feeling that. Um, there was a day that I sat down in the morning to read my Bible, and I was reading in John 8, right? And Jesus is talking about the sheep knowing the shepherd and his people knowing his voice. And I'm reading this, and the only thing that I can think in my head is, I don't know the Father's voice. And I'm reading this with that kind of mindset of like, have I ever actually heard the Father's voice? And then I thought, am I really filled with the Spirit? And I started thinking back to like gifts or manifestations and explaining those away. Like it could have, that thing could have been like a natural coincidence, right? Or I could have been making that up. Or this person that told me that story, that could have, they could have been lying about that to prove a point. And I got so discouraged and so full of despair that I closed my Bible and went to do something else. And for like the next two or three hours, that's all I could think of was, I don't really know the Lord and I kind of don't care, right? Like it was just kind of this apathetic, like, nah, like, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, it was gross. And I finally realized what was happening. Like, this is the voice of the enemy. And so I, I messaged some of my, uh, my brothers and Jonathan called me and we prayed through that. And there really was a, just in confessing that, there was almost like an immediate lifting. Like that was, it, I, it's almost embarrassing. Like this is silly. And so obvious an attack from the enemy. And then that, so that was, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember. But since then, every day this week, I have felt some level of discouragement or despair. I was working in my yard yesterday, and for, again, just a couple hours, like, I had no energy. I had no motivation, and I just felt, like, empty. I just kind of felt dead. And it wasn't, I wasn't even, like, doing a ministry or a spiritual thing. I'm working on a chicken coop. And I just felt so discouraged. And... Uh, and I, I'm kind of a, was aware of it since that conversation with Jonathan. And I've been praying through it. And the Lord really has been speaking to me a lot. And this word that he put on my heart, which I really uh, think is for uh, many of us today, was uh, around the Dead Sea. And I don't know a lot about the Dead Sea other than it's mentioned in the Bible a few times and it's pretty salty. Um, so I started doing some research and you guys might know all this, but I'm going to share it anyway. The Dead Sea 
is 14, the shore of the Dead Sea is 1,400 feet below sea level. It's the lowest point on earth as far as shore goes. 1,400 feet below sea level. The salt content or salinity is 30 to 40 percent. Um, in context, most bodies of water are 4 percent. So it's around 10 times saltier than any other body of water. Because of the salt content, fish can't live in the sea. Uh, vegetation and plants can't grow around the sea. It is literally a dead place. Mark Twain went and visited and wrote about it, and he said, it would have been like taking a fun bath if it didn't remind me so much of a funeral and of death. <laughs> and I'm reading all of this about the Dead Sea, and which, also interesting, I, I learned, you can't, you're not, it's a rule. You're not allowed to jump in the water because the salt can cut you. Like, that's how salty it is. You can't jump in because you can get scratched because it's that salty. And I'm reading this. Lord, this is me. Like, this is how I feel. I feel so dead. And like, there's nothing growing. And my wife and my kids and, and my friend, people are coming to me and I need prayer or I need this. I, I don't have anything to give you. Like, you don't want to drink this. It's salty. It's gross. Has anybody else felt like that this week? Just a show of hands. A few of you. It's been a struggle. Just every day. This was such a good, uh, good picture for me. And the Lord continued in his, uh, his kindness to talk to me around salty dead water. I want to read. I'm going to, I'm going to share a few things. It's a little scattered, I apologize, um, but I'm going to try to bring it together at the end. So Ezekiel 47. So this is Ezekiel having, he's having a vision, right? And a man, an angel, um, is taking him around and showing him things in what is commonly thought to be the, the millennial kingdom. Then the man brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold... Water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces the east, and behold, the water was trickling out on the south side." Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits, and he led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Then again he measured a thousand more cubits and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again he measured a thousand and led me through water, and it was waist deep. Again he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees and on the one side and on the other. And he said, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into Arabah and enters the sea. 
The sea is the Dead Sea that it's talking about, the Salt Sea. The water flows and goes into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Engelheim. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are left for salt. On the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water that flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. And then real quick, Revelation 22. The first, uh, first verse there. Then the angel, so this is John again having a vision. And, um, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruits, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So this is a prophetic picture of something that's literally going to happen. We have actually two, it's the same, I think, it's the same river in two different circumstances. The millennial reign, where the temple uh, is rebuilt, and then the eternal kingdom, where there's no need for a temple, and so the water comes out from the very throne of God. So this is the future But for us right now, feeling like we're in this valley of death and salt, I was asking the Lord about that. I'm like, this is great. I'm so excited. I really am. Like, when I think about the eternal kingdom, I get so excited. But what about, like, right now when I'm feeling discouraged and I'm feeling despair because I don't have that water that I can drink right now? And I remembered in the Old Testament, the Israelites were given an inheritance, which is the promised land. And in order to get their inheritance, they had to cross two bodies of water, the Red Sea, which we all know about, and the lesser known crossing of the Jordan River, where they were leaving their time in the wilderness to come into the promised land. And the Lord again stopped the water Flowing down, if the Bible says flowing down from the city of Adam. Adam is a Hebrew word for, we say man, human is better because it's not gender specific. Um, the water flowing down from the city of Adam, the Lord stops the water and the Israelites in the Ark of the Covenant pass on dry land. And then a while later in the New Testament, something else really significant happens in the Jordan River. And that is that Jesus is baptized Standing in the waters of man, the heavens are rent asunder, and the Holy Spirit comes to the earth. And it's almost like Jesus, I, I wish I had, I just was reading this last night, and I was like, man, I want to I know more about this. I feel like there's such a prophetic and significant symbolism in Jesus being baptized in the Jordan, where the Israelites crossed um, 
But it's almost, I'm going to flip over to John, like Jesus is saying, abide in me because I have victory over these dead, filthy waters that come from the likes of human and the depravity of man. And in John 4, sorry, I didn't mark any of this. There's a verse that we know, um, and I always, I think I've, I've, I've misquoted this. I've, I didn't realize exactly how this said it. Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman, and he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. In my mind, I always remember that Jesus says that he is the living water, but Jesus doesn't say he's the living water. He says he'll give you the living water. The living water that flows from the throne of God that enters the Dead Sea and brings everything back to life so that there's life in it and sustenance and vegetation. And then in June, uh, June, John 7, 37, on the last day, Of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus has now died, right, on the cross. He's defeated death. And the Holy Spirit is here. So this verse now applies to us. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow living water, the water of life. This is the water that flows from the place of God and is in us. Now, I want to be clear that there are times that the Lord lets us go through valleys and low points and when he is very, very quiet or silent. But what the Lord does not do is give us a spirit of discouragement and despair in those times. It's actually opposite of what the Lord is is trying to achieve in us. Is that we can go through the valley and, and have encouragement and still walk in the water of life. And so the encouragement that I have for you guys today which is really also an encouragement for me, is when this despair and this hopelessness and this feeling of failure, and it looks like so many things. And one thing the Lord really highlighted to me was this manifests a lot as bitterness toward the brethren, uh, a critical spirit toward the brethren. Um, And then for me, it's a lot of times what people think of me, especially like my wife and kids, right? What we want to do as humans, our natural tendency is to sit there and soak in that dead, lifeless water and say, yeah, this is, this is right. Like, I'm no good. I was sitting during, right after worship, worship was so good. I'm sitting in the pew thinking, like, I don't have anything to say. Like, I feel like th- this is, I missed this whole thing. Like, this is not for today. And I just want to sit there in this lifelessness and think about how awful everything is and woe is me. But the encouragement is to fight against that. Right. Right. 
And what I, what I find is when I confess that with my mouth and I cry out, save me, God. I need the living water that flows from your presence because I am dead and there is no life in me and I have nothing to give and everything around me and everything that I touch dies. And he is faithful and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a discipline to cry out to the Lord when we feel lost. It's a discipline because our flesh doesn't want to do it. We want to fix it ourselves or we want to stay in that place and dwell on how hopeless everything is. But there is life, right, and the power of the tongue. And I encourage you guys to recognize that thing. To learn when that is when, when you're feeling that and going through that, to shut it off and say, I know what this is. This is not what the Father says about me. The Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me, the living water, right? If I didn't make that clear, the, the living water flowing from the throne of God is the Holy Spirit. And it's dwelling inside of us, right? Jesus isn't talking about himself. He says, whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, So to acknowledge that thing, speak it out. I, I'm not a prophetic sign type of a guy, but there is power in the tongue. And to confess that thing, right? James says, confess your sins so that you'll be healed, not forgiven so that you'll be healed. And so for me on Wednesday, when I confessed that to my brothers, it was like immediately, and I've been dealing with it since, but still like right away, like this is, I saw it for what it is. This is stupid. This is silly. This is not the Holy Spirit in me. I love the picture in Ezekiel where the water flowing from the temple, the word it uses is trickle. It starts as a trickle. And I don't know if this is true or not. This was a few years ago. I was listening to a guy teach, and he said the word for trickle uh, is, can be equated to a measurement that is around the breadth of a human hair. So a very small amount of water flowing out. And it gets to where it's ankle deep, and then they go another thousand cubits, and it's knee deep, and then waist deep, and then it's so deep that no man can cross it. Get in the water, church. Not ankle deep, not knee deep, not waist deep. Get in the water and let the Holy Spirit minister to you and to fill that dead sea and bring it back to life. That's, that is going to happen. And actually... Over the last two decades, I love this because I feel like the Lord is like tipping his hand kind of, right? We know what's going to happen. But in the last two decades, um, uh, well, sinkholes, sinkholes, hundreds of sinkholes have opened up around the Dead Sea in that area. They have swallowed gas stations and beaches and highways, hundreds of them. And they're learning what is causing these sinkholes is underground freshwater springs that is destabilizing the salt content of the shore around the Dead Sea. And Israelites have started planting orchards now that are thriving around the Dead Sea. They're growing crops around the Dead Sea. 
there's vegetation happening around the Dead Sea. This is a sign of what is coming, right? The permanent life that's going to come to the Dead Sea. But right now it's a sign for us that you don't have to stay in that place, right? The Holy Spirit from within destabilizes the work of the enemy and brings fresh new life to these dead places. That's all I have.